0: all right well welcome back to the glue guys this is my guys hello ryan hello Check us out on Twitter, at BKGlueGuys. Uh, I was about to say SoundCloud, Brian. No. Netsdaily.com, at BKGlueGuys on Twitter, almighty baller. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> we're get really, ready for it. You really, know what I want? we <laughs> you know I, I, mean? I honestly have
1: no idea. Or could have it just layering on these drops here with my new get some new uh some new tech in the house lots of new tech
0: yeah i feel like i'm on the the starboard of a spaceship yeah at the moment we have three screens one of them is projecting the nets knicks i guess final preseason game brian it's it, this is a projection of the nets this is just, it's not the real game it's just a
1: simulation
0: um brian we have suffered through uh, the, the heat of the summer it's
1: just like what is ron baker doing with his hair. Like, that's, I just, how
0: can he possibly continue to be this way? Don't people make fun of him? I, I wonder, I, I think it's just the thing. It's his brand, man. It's his brand that's going to be going on. Brian, the Nets are back. Oh, wow, okay. Do you want me to hit it again? No. The Nets are back. Um, the Nets are back. Uh, so, we are recording this on a Monday. We're, we're still unsure. We have, we're have we going to try to do two pods today, kind of lead you up into the season that starts on Wednesday. Brian. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Um, what we're gonna do first is we're gonna start with <laughs> it's, it's me saying, "Hey, um, listener emails, right? We're gonna do listener emails today, um, and then we're also gonna release." And so, and you would have already heard our interview with Ian Eagle, and that's what's happening. Brian, how are you? I'm good, man.
1: I'm good. I mean, do you want to just like jump right into the meat and potatoes of this thing? You know, give the people what they want. Let's give them what they want. Let's All right, it right now. First up, Chair boa that's e um, you know everyone knows Eve he's a, a fixture in Net's Twitter land yeah thinks he's good at math but oh I Mike, question Mike, I question Mike, that Mike goes totally highly whoa highly I whoa, question whoa uh, Mike Sorry. is you can tell you've, you've triggered Mike successfully so good <laughs> on you it's not that hard but good on you um, <laughs> I just live in New York City I'm constantly triggered yeah um, says what up fellas thank you for the pod Nets fans get no coverage in the mainstream media so your work is greatly appreciated by voracious consumers of Nets info thank you um, that means a lot to us. So my question you is: We're the silent majority, Nets fans. Yeah. Um, the question is: Are the Nets front office and coaching staff going in different directions? Atkinson Ooh. is competitive. Good question. Sorry, Atkinson is competitive as he should be. He wants to win. He plays veterans that I think he shouldn't like Jared Dudley and Trevion Graham. He doesn't want to deal with the rookies like Curric. And so my guy, this is a great, by the way. And I'm, I'm, I wish I could just steal it outright, but he's, it's uh, the Diza for Zan and Musa. Beautiful, like the RZA, the JZA, the JZA. Sh-
0: that should happen. It's really, a, and I want to see all of them together. I
1: can't believe that this is the first time I've seen this either. Um, so credit to you. I'm sure there'll be a T shirt of it. Yeah, on. trademark, copyright that one. Uh, Marks is looking at the future. He knows what the Nets have, is, or the, he knows what Nets have is not ready to win anything. And I'm sure he'd like to see what the rookies have to plan accordingly. Marks believes in collaboration, listens to his head coach, but he can't like watching players that have no future. With the Nets like Travion Graham get minutes instead of his pouncing baby boy, Rodians. Um, So this is an interesting point, actually. Um, He also goes on to say, do you think these guys are on the same page? Am I unreasonably angry seeing rookies get seven minutes while Dudley gets 24? Is this good for a rebuilding team? True boy. So this goes back into an age-old debate that we've had, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, how apocalyptically bad can you be (laughs) before it actually starts harming the growth of some of your young players you know yes you can't just run out rudion's curix and and the dizza all day every day and expect you know can't take a pee into mr coffee and expect tasters choice you know what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) you gotta you gotta give them something to work with i'm not saying that jared dudley is What's going to enhance the flavor of right. that particular We're blend? Look
0: back in thirteen years and say because Atkinson played Jared Dudley twenty minutes a game, that means that is why the Nets have won six championships in right. a row. Um, but it's a good point
1: because in this case, it's a, it's much more indefensible. Like if you're playing Kevin Garnett at what even
0: thirty-eight years old, whatever it is, you could be like, lots to learn there, a lot of good lessons. Yeah, So, and actually I'll have a call back to Kevin Garnett later in the pod when we discuss whether the Nets will make the playoffs or not. Interesting numbers that I think are going to be revealing to Nets fans, and wow. that is a tease, big and tease. I'm teasing it now. That's a big one. Um, because that's one of the big questions, right? So, I mean, so we're both sort of in the path of, like, you have to play veterans. Uh, Jared Dudley is the ultimate example of, like, the guy who already... Um, Are we doing superlatives, or can I just mix them in as we're kind of going along?
1: Go ahead. Mix them in. Whatever you want to do.
0: The Quincy AC Award of the Year. So we also do superlatives. Quincy AC Award of the Year goes to Jared Dudley. The Quincy AC is the distinguished net who no one really wants to see on the floor, and people get mad on Twitter, and he plays in the fourth quarter at times, and people are very angry. Mm -hmm. Jared Dudley has already become that, and we're not even into the season yet, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, Actually, but kind of like going back to the main point of that email... I think Marks and Atkinson are like in lockstep, Brian. In lockstep in terms of minutes. Because I I believe if Atkinson had his druthers, uh, D'Angelo would be playing like 38 minutes a game. He'd be playing, you know, whoever, Alan Crabb or Joe Harris, a lot more, whoever he likes more. It's tough to determine who you do like more in that scenario. Damari Carroll would be getting 35 minutes a game. He limits his minutes to all these guys pretty well. And that's not a coach idea. I mean, maybe that he's Atkinson's kind of like a new age coach, and that's why he got hired here. But that is a management decision. That is a Sean Marks decision to limit minutes to get these guys to where they're not going to be injured. Hopefully, to where they're they're fresher for other games. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think Atkinson and Marks are on different pages on that point. I think they're almost on the exact same page. The only thing that you maybe want to see, Marks maybe wants to see more, is I don't know, someone like uh, Karuk's getting out there and playing a little bit more. But to be honest, I I don't think he does. I think he'd rather send him to Long Island, even though I don't think he should be sent to Long Island. I think he should be with the Nets. I think he should be getting ten minutes a game. I'd rather him get ten minutes a game in the NBA. Than thirty, in on Long Island. I mean, you could do both, but that's how I feel. But also to Eve's point, it it that can all be
1: true, and it can still make you irrationally angry to see Jared Dudley, you know, yes. playing those minutes. That's it's the, you know, it's not mutually mutually exclusive, um, those things.
0: Well, and that's the thing. I think I, I talked about it a little bit with Evan Roberts when he was on. You can go back and listen to that pod as well. You know, NetsDaily dot com, uh, Almighty Baller, iTunes, all that good stuff. Um. <laughs> Great sell job. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Atkinson has yet to really coach to win, completely coach to win, right? Because I think he's he is focused and he's been told focused on growth. He does let young guys play when he probably shouldn't. He puts guys in situations at the end of the game when they probably shouldn't be in at the end of the game. But there's a benefit to that because if he had coached to win the Lionel Hollins way, If he had coached like Lionel Hollins where he's driving guys into the ground, Jared Allen would not have blossomed to the way he blossomed last season. He gave Jared Allen minutes early in the year when he probably shouldn't have in terms of winning basketball games because it ended up turning into Jared Allen's pretty good and now he's the best center on the team by pretty far. Mm -hmm. What's going to be interesting is, does he stick to that, that this season that there is a little bit of expectations, right? There's like a tiny morsel of expectations for the first time since – the KG Garnett Pierce trade. Yeah, and
1: that's um, like verbatim one of the questions I have for our, our guest coming up um, on maybe an episode that's already out by now. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, Like in this time portal, we yeah. sense. Um, but it's like, has the dust settled enough in the wake of the Pierce Garnett stuff to start to have expectations for management and coaching? Is that even fair? Like we've given them obviously like a nice long window to hold your criticisms, but should – how long can that window possibly go on for? And like now that there's you know there's you know uh, sensibly smart basketball minded people who like have you know their eyebrows um, or I don't know they're just their interest is piqued by by what the Nets are doing for the first time in a long time, and I'm worried that that's a little bit premature, honestly.
0: Yeah, and and I think it is fair though to now be like completely critical. Not negatively but completely critical of what Marx and Atkinson are doing. Now it is fair. You think it is? I think it is very fair. I think
1: I think this is like a generational wealth kind of conversation. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like I still think that they're like really dealing with the fallout and it's like like, yeah, you can turn like this like really upended asset into something that's like marginally functional, but like should should you like do that yet or like can you wait till they actually build up their assets to the point where it's like okay they're like on par with all these other teams like we're doing really well with very little but what if we could also do really well with like some things
0: right but I'm not saying that like uh when I say like expectations should be on them or they can be critically analyzed I'm not saying that like they have to win they have to go to the playoffs and if they don't go to the playoffs they are failures what I'm saying is that like like the net's fan base and the nets and people who are watching that's whatever need to watch what is happening and and analyze whether sean marks is doing a good job or, or a bad job i think he's doing a great job right but there are things he's not doing well and they're entering an off season they're entering a season where they have more expectations than they have had alright i'm I'm pin you to the wall what is he not doing well well you know i bring up the allen crab trade all the time right and if you look at all the offer sheets that he put out there all those guys are not good at basketball mm. um so he did that. That was a strategy. I, I'll give him full credit. Like, so the Nets had no assets. They had no first round picks to lean on. They had to sign guys to massive offer sheets. And the teams that that did that agreed to those offer sheets. So it's not like Marks was out of the realm of possibility. The Heat re-signed Tyler Johnson. They they accepted whatever contract the Nets did. Otto Porter with the Wizards. Alan Crabb with the Trailblazers. So like they he made all these crazy offer sheets, and all the other teams he struck out essentially. Um, but Otto is not worth the max Tyler Johnson's definitely not worth what he's paying and Alan Crabb now Alan Crabb is of course on the nets and we know he's not worth that amount of money um, but that's sort of besides the point so all of those big free agent signings that Marks was trying to make and that he failed to make haven't turned out well and if he had made all of them obviously if he had Tyler Johnson and Alan Crabb he wouldn't be able to sign Otto Porter but let's just say he had all of them this team would be a disaster. Um, but I understood the strategy, and I support the strategy completely. I'm just saying that team would be disgusting. If they, Imagine if the Nets were entering this season with Tyler Johnson as their point guard, Otto Porter as their you know uh, prominent wing, and uh, Alan Crabb still on the team, and they had an old Knicks-style cap sheet where they were just a bad team with not really any assets— This is alternate universe. But I'm just saying this was the sort of the plan that Mark's put out there. And if so, we just, we just, I still need to see him. He makes nice small signings and he does draft well. Okay. Unquestionably, he drafts well and he makes really nice, like in the like Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Ed Davis. I already think is like, that's going to be a win. That amount of money for that veteran, it's going to be a win. He's made fantastic trades. The Dwight Howard maneuvering was beautiful. The getting rid of Jeremy Lynn to then be able to take on Kenneth Freed, fantastic. But we're entering an off season where they're going to have max money, at least max money and more, and his big signings that didn't happen because of the other teams accepted were D's, D's, mm. Brian. Mm. So I'm just, I'm just saying, I, you know, I didn't mean to go in this but, rant. But today. do you, th-
1: but don't you think that that's part of the three dimensional chess? I mean, like getting another team to cave in on those inches like moves the nets and some like
0: no, no. i'm playing devil's advocate no 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 i know but and, but and again i think both of us supported at the time to- like you support at the time when he tried to sign tyler johnson and alan Crab. that's what he had to do like he had to get some kind of assets on this team um that's it wouldn't have worked out that, that didn't work out um but yeah, let's move on. Wow, well, that was a tirade. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Here we I go. Know, everyone's gonna be so mad about that. <laughs> I did not. I, you know, I walked. Brian, I walked into this pod not intending to unspool that thought. I apologize. I'm
1: gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna read this one and then I'm gonna hide for cover after, <laughs> after your response. No, I, I do need to take off my Patagonia here. I'm, I'm overdressed. You're sweltering. Whoa. Uh, okay, but here's up. Next up, what the heck? Next up, cheer boy. Cameron. Um, Cameron, thank you for your note. Good morning, glue guys. Huge Nets fans, longtime listener, first-time emailer. We'd love to hear from you more, Cameron.
0: God bless you, Cameron.
1: Would you rather start Crab or RHJ when they return? I love Levert with the starters. Where do you see the rookies spending the most time with the main club or the G League club? Or would y'all go with a youth movement to the starting five? D-Lo, Levert, Crab, RHJ, Allen. I love the podcast. Keep doing your thing. Love you, Cameron. Love um, you, man. So, I mean, I, one has to assume that both Ronda Ellis Jefferson and Alan Crabb are sort of the slotted to start at least in the beginning of the season. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a tricky situation with that because I, everyone I know, Mike, everyone knows how Mike feels
0: about Alan Crab. <laughs> so there's like a whole lot of bias work through there. Well, no, but he needs so, but he him or Joe Harris needs to be on the floor at all times. Unquestionably, one of those two guys needs to be on the floor because, you know, D'Angelo is a good three point shooter and Damari can knock down a few threes. But, like, if you don't have either of those two guys on the floor, Joe Harris or Alan Crabb, you are missing something. And in this offense, either of those two guys have to be on the floor. I mean, no, I'm fine. You know, again, Alan Crabb is like, he's fine and he's he's of the level. He's should be better than Joe Harris and he's about that level. And I'm, you know, when he's on the floor, I'm not angry. It's not a Quincy Acey award. But it's also like,, um, he's not worth nineteen million dollars a year. I think that's a that's an easy fact to say. Wouldn't it be awesome if just Levert was the starter anyhow? I don't I actually so I've been like more of the camp of I really like him running second unit type dude. Ugh, I know. On. I would my my Levert distribution of minutes would be sixty six percent second unit running. And then, you know, 33.3% of he should him be being with the finishing starters. games. He should be finishing games. But what I would like is, I'm very happy with a situation where, like, him and D'Angelo switch on, switch off. I know Dinwiddie will be out there, too, and Dinwiddie will be the backup point guard. There's no question about that. But D'Angelo should mostly control the ball when he's in and then work within the offense. Then Lavert should come in, basically for D'Angelo, and I want Lavert to be <laughs> running that second unit. Because what I think... Well, Levert is better. He's crafty off the ball, but he's better when he has the ball in his hands, and he's more aggressive, and he's been more aggressive in the preseason so far. We'll see if that continues this season. I still want Levert to be getting those I'm-the-guy minutes, and if he's starting, he's not going to get that. There's going to just be too much noise out there. There's just going to be, like, too many competing guys out there for the ball. I'm, like, pro make him your second quarter, beginning of fourth quarter. You sit him on the bench for a few minutes in the fourth quarter, then bring him back out. At the end of the game, I want him. I want him out there in the end of the game. I just, I want him to be like the guy on the floor when he's the guy on the floor. That's what I want. You know who feels like they're just going to get a ton of minutes is Travion Graham. It's interesting, right? Yeah, I think so. When we're talking about Atkinson and Marks, I think that was sort of Marks telling Atkinson it's preseason play Travion Graham a lot because they just want to see what we have in him. Because I think he, his profile right is like Joe Harris ish. You know, sure, Graham. Uh, I mean, yeah, like that's what he comes a shooter, like. Basically. Yeah,
1: it's weird because like that's been what they sold him on, but he does not seem that way. Like, right? <laughs> Doesn't it, was... it seem like that happens a lot? <laughs> yeah, just in the NBA, that's not the, with the Nets. That's it's the like... Justin Hamilton I lied on my resume award yeah. goes to. We, by but, the
0: way, we do have some w- old superlatives, and we'll, we'll roll through. some I think we them should always
1: keep those ones. Just that, like the exact I like same the, ones. the idea that we'll be re- referencing Justin <laughs> Hamilton like five years.
0: I did. So, so I thought about like when I was doing my superlative. I was like all right, should I give a Justin Hamilton award this year? And it's sort of like, can't really, because who knows who Justin Hamilton is, is anymore, you know? The the diehards, the glue guy, didn't, core fan base. Another plus for Marks so didn't he get like a second round pick for Justin Hamilton? I'm pretty sure he's traded him to Toronto yeah. for like a second round, for part DeMari. of the Damari trade. Yeah. yeah, that he was able to get off to Justin Hamilton, Come on. who we were excited about. Well, the guy lied in his resume, you know. It's easy to get excited <laughs> yeah. about people who lie. It's like face. if you watch Below Deck Med, the third the, the third stew said she was ready a for bar, a barista. Yeah. For yeah, barista. And what was it? Uh white glove service. Right. And she did she just thought that means you just serve things with white gloves. Yeah. So would I. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but anyways, that's for all of our Below Deck Med fans. Yeah. Got a hit quota on that. Next up, Cherboy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Went in the Valuiano, put a little stank on that one for Quentin. Um, got a fun question. What do you guys think of Richard Jefferson possibly joining the Nets on Yes broadcasts? Um, I can see the Yes Network using many different lineup combinations, just like Kenny can using different lineup combinations for the Nets this upcoming season. Um, I'm excited by the prospect of it. Uh, you know, love love bringing a guy who meant so much to the franchise back, especially love his podcast.
0: You know, he's a fun guy. I wonder. Asking you personally, of all those like the guys from that era, the the from early, obviously Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, who has the highest Q rating right now with Nets fans? Q rating? What's that? Q rating. So Q rating is like Tom Hanks is the highest Q rating in Hollywood. He is universally loved. Yeah. Uh, people look at Tom. So who is the most loved of that era?
1: Is it still um, Jason Kidd? No, I think. I mean, like there's, and this is it's sort of a. um high ceiling like but it's just martin had a special mm. everyone had a special affection i think everyone felt that way he like <laughs> made us you know feel like tough and it was not a tough it had never been i mean everything even the like branding of the new jersey nets was like this is like it's is this like a disney team or something like why is this so soft why is this so like so you still think, like you it's Still think
0: to- it's Kenyon Martin? uh Maybe i'm not i'm not <clears> I'm no just saying-
1: i don't know i mean no it's hard i mean Richard Jefferson did not have especially back then, like he he like blossomed into having this personality. Like when he was is with the Nets, he was kind of a he was bespoke. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he picked his spots. And the and the few times where he had a little bit of personality, it was with him sort of like riffing with Vince Carter. It, was, it took all the way till those to that era of Nets basketball for him to really kind of reveal his personality. Yeah. Um so yeah, I don't know where like his key rating falls. Uh, what what does that stand for? Where is that? Uh, I don't know what the exact
0: word Q – I don't know what the Q and Q rating means, but it, mm, it's like ability. Yeah, it's like ability. It's, it's, there's actually analysis that goes into so Tom Hanks is usually number one, and Oprah is like number two. Yeah. They're like the two top people. Ellen DeGeneres, I'm sure, is high up the charts. Mark Wahlberg under that. Whoa. Jimmy Bell. By the way, for everyone I, – I, I'm sure people follow us on Twitter at PKGlueGuys. It was tweeted at us. I forget who. I apologize for for the person who tweeted at us. There is a report out there that that was from Minnesota that said – um literally the headline was like Jimmy Butler's personality changes changed as he met Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> that was the headline. Yeah. And the it, it was report, colon that. The report was not from us. We should have been sourced and credited in that, but uh it's it's out there in the in the ether. Yeah. That, that Mark Wahlberg has corrupted to is corrupted. Jimmy Ross's
1: path and your personality has changed, corrupted forever. <laughs> corrupted forever. Yeah. Um, That's a scary idea. Could you imagine? What? just like a you know you have this it's like meeting
0: a, a witch or something you know it's like the devil's advocate it's al pacino the devil's i don't know sure you know. sure <laughs> i don't know that was on tnt a lot when i was growing up so i would watch it often <laughs> sure um yes so <laughs> next one so
1: medium medium curating and we're excited because yeah. well that was no i'm excited that I was don't... then this is now his curating is going to soar and we'll know? try to get
0: him on the pod because exactly. yes network is very nice to us and so we'll We'll work to get Richard on the pod, and we yes. can talk about Nets it stuff. It will benefit us enormously. Next up, cheer boy, I'm
1: Leroy I'm Green. My levels on these am I going too hard? No, you're great. Um, what's better, a capped out team with Butler and Middleton, oh, <sighs> or a flexible team with <laughs> our assets, cap space, and perhaps the greatest chubby power forward since Barkley in Zion Williamson, Zion. Alan combo oh would make us Lob City East. Oh my gosh, don't even. So I love the Zion memes. I'm all about it. I talk to people who like basketball and they think I'm like <laughs> so embarrassing for being as high on Zion as I am, but they don't understand the appeal of watching fat people jump 40, you know, have a 40 inch vertical. It's that, for me, it's an aesthetic thing. It doesn't matter what the product is. It's it's seeing that physics, you know, I just I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm a physics guy. It's really yeah. it's
0: just about the hard sciences for me. You're about physics and waist size, too. You've always been a <laughs> you've always been an analysis of the waist. You yeah. you're the tailor. You're a tailor style scouting. That's what you do.
1: It's why, you know, people like Jared Dudley hold such fascination because he just bucks the norm. So, so hard. <laughs> with that, the seemingly with feminine also, waist.
0: like 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 Joe Harris, unathletic body, completely yeah. unathletic body, but it's figured out. How to and, and don't to, at me, Jared. To, to ask, say Jared that Dudley. Jared Dudley
1: and Joe Harris have unathletic bodies is like to say that like you know I have an unathletic body as, <laughs> as well as Jared. I mean, like as Joe Harris. I mean, Jared Dudley is a whole different on the whole different spectrum yeah. of unathletic bodies. You know,
0: <laughs> looks a little bit like a baby dinosaur. Yeah, I'm trying to think exactly what what the thing is with him. Yeah, well, it's and I don't know about his personal eating habits. There is a, a, a class, a phyla of athlete now who eats healthy but but the eating healthy like doesn't include like also being like buff or Mm. being like svelte yeah it's it's just like i'm sure he eats a lot of almonds yeah i'm sure it's some avocado mixed in brown rice like that that's very popular you know eating healthy but then there's not the then the layer of the victor oladipo the layer of then i'm going to bust my behind in the gym. Maybe See, I, don't, I don't know doesn't. that they're not. Like who know? I mean like it's like
1: sort of Jalil Okafor style shaped body, right? It's like yeah. You know. I just feel like it's like one of those like things where it's a, it's maybe not diet, it's but it's you know you're just not used to seeing in the NBA. It's not to say Jared Dudley; he looks like he's moving pretty well. You, you know, he looks spry enough in the preseason sure, for enough. a guy his age, sure you know. <laughs> but already getting too many minutes. It's almost we like, all agree. I can't think of it, but I just I'm I don't know why, but I'm reminded of like professional wrestling in like the '70s and '80s, where it's like <laughs> they, they don't have like they shouldn't have good cardio. They look like they just like drink like milk and beer and like lift weights, and it's mm-hmm. just like this like. It's not like there's no definition to the muscles, but there's like muscles there. You know yes. what I'm saying? You know, yeah.
0: it's well, yeah. They're it's all like mil- it's like a it's all muscle. just a line, like a yeah. flat line. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. not curves. It's just like a it's a. I'm not saying that that's like, but uh, uh, Jared Dudley's body, but
1: there's something there's some in the Venn diagram of bodies. There's some kind of crossover. I right. really hope he hears this because he's
0: gonna be so mad at us. <laughs> dude, I'm like, right there with he's you, like, dude. Screw have, you guys. Uh, yeah. I'm a professional athlete, and you guys sit in a closet talk about basketball. And we're it's watching the, a preseason game the, from the, four we, days ago. we got to get back to Zion <laughs> and his body. Um, so this is an interesting question, right? It's like, so when we talk, we're going to talk about, again, the, the playoffs and whether the Nets make the playoffs. Um, I'll throw this question in right now, and it goes along exactly with this. Does it make more sense to go for the eighth seed or to tank, right? That's essentially what that question is. Mm-hmm. Does it make more sense to uh, try to sign Jimmy Butler and Chris Middleton and try to be like, the third best team of the east, fourth best team of the east or does it make sense to actually keep this rebuild going, maybe even dig deeper into the rebuild. Um I am of the mindset that this franchise cannot continue to lose basketball games into perpetuity. Um I think that would be bad. The Nets the Nets are fortunate that the KG Pierce trade worked out so horribly because at least it's bought bought marks some kind of um, le- runway with the fan base. It's given the team like an excuse and say like that was so bad that like we're gonna be bad, but like we have a reason why we we're bad. It's like uh, I don't know when when <laughs> Obama came in with a horrible economy that Bush handed to him. Obama was able to say for many many years of how bad the economy was, you know, leading up into it. Well, I, I well, probably should have waited into well, those waters, but I, well. but I did. So um, I just think. I just don't think this this team can keep losing. Like, I don't think they can go then – they can't do a tank dip. They can't back down a tank and get – even if it's Zion Williamson, who's, like, the guy I would most want in the world on this team, just – he would be electric, Brian. He would be electric in Brooklyn. The talk, The exact right – I mean, you know, Jared Allen and Zion together would just be a delicious set of dunks and blocks – and it would be unlike anything in the NBA right now because they're both unique players, but um, they just can't—they can't keep losing. I don't want Chris Middleton and, and Jimmy Butler. I don't want that future, but I do want a future where they're trying to win basketball games. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think as for all these things, false dichotomy here, right? Why can't we do a little both? Why can't I get my Zion and have and Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler. I mean, not you that you could actually. I'm not saying like Jimmy Butler or whatever, but like the the concept that you know, signing, making that eighth seed is what's key, you know, <laughs> that's the gateway to signing you know, elite players. Um, that seems like a stretch to me. Um, but that'll move the needle for like somebody like that, you know, that much a little bit, right?
0: Just, just a little bit, it would. Yeah. Making the team kind of competitive, I don't know. getting in the eighth seed, like it, would, it doesn't move the needle, I guess, for Kevin Durant, but at least it like, again, I'm just putting out that name because it's out there. But it, it matters if your team is competitive and they're not a disaster. Because, like, let's play it out. If the team tanked, right, what would that feel like? It would feel really crappy. And It would feel like all these guys that they've drafted and developed over the years and traded for in D'Angelo Russell aren't doing anything. And, like, it's all this development has been for naught. And the timeline would be well, pushed. again, we have to be careful about how we're using tank, right? I mean,
1: that's just, like, trying and failing versus tanking is what you're talking about. What do you mean? Well, there's a big distinction between attempting to lose games versus, like, if we're playing, you know, our course starters 30 minutes a game and, you know, doing all you know, the normal things. It's very unlikely that we're just going to, like, you know sort of accidentally be a really, really terrible team. Like, we're pretty locked in at, like, 30 wins. Yes. You yeah. know, as a, as a sort of floor provided, you know, everyone doesn't get hurt or whatever. Definitely. You're right. You're right. Uh, so,
0: yeah, I mean, like, I mean. And that's, but I'm saying you have to tank to get Zion Williamson. Right. Unfortunately. Right. And you shouldn't. And you really just shouldn't. And I'm, I'm hope, sure. But, you know, it would be great if, like, for some reason he had, like, not the best season in college basketball and then he fell to the nets. Which is possible because Duke has six players who play the same position. So it's very possible Zion Williamson Williamson, isn't that great. Next up, (laughs) cheer boy, John
1: Glue. He is a branding expert. Um, His name isn't, his whole last name isn't Glue, but it starts with Glue. And so he knows to shorten it for synergistic purposes. Absolute genius. Oh, I see his name. Got it. Hey, Glue guys. It's your boy, John Glue. Uh, the game against the Pistons showed some promising play from our young guys, Lavert and Jared Allen, both had seventeen points. While well, D'Lo had twenty-five. Do you think the Nets could be a playoff team if just those three guys can put up consistent numbers, or will that not be enough? Um, well, I mean, if Jar, if the if if those consistent numbers are like Jared Allen's putting
0: up seventeen points per game, like heck, heck yeah, heck yeah, that would um, be the difference, yeah. There's like a couple of statistical difference points, right? So that need that need to happen, and Jared Allen being instead of a 9 point game score being like a fifteen, mm-hmm. that would be a huge difference. That would be great. Uh, Blavert consistently scoring points would be a massive change over what he's done in his career because, for the most part, he's S- his stats are is the big issue. He passes the eye test; it's just the the paper test he doesn't pass. Yeah, so unique, a unique player in that front, the anti-Jason Collins. I, I'm like – this was a previous question. I'm very much into like – I do want to see an all-young lineup like a good amount, right? Like I don't I, – I, I am the person that pushes for the crab, um, Joe Harris. I don't really put crab in the young guys group, the young guy tier. But like I do want to Lavert D'Angelo, Jared Allen, Kroos. Wow. <laughs>
1: Carooch wow! and
0: Musa. Wow. Is that not the most that fun? That is
1: premature.
0: That not that fun? I mean, sure. That's a lot of ball handling. Fun, man. A lot of activity. Athleticism. Because partly the thing is I think Rondé, I don't know if this is Rondé's last year. Um, I think it's a good possibility is this is last year with the Nets. The only reason why he would be back with the Nets is if he there's just not that big of a market for him. And he decides, you know, I'll, I'll stay back with the, the culture that I love. Mm-hmm. Um which is a possibility. But. Um people have
1: been talking about the trade market not being very busy for, for Ronde.
0: Yes, that and that seems obvious. Even though like there were those early in the summer there's those hints that he was going to be a part of like a Dwight Howard trade to the Hornets. Um it was like Damari Ronde and like something else for Dwight and something else, obviously. Um I just we've said this a million times. Ronde is most valuable with the nets because he can score, but he doesn't shoot threes and he plays a position that's become a position where you kind of have to shoot threes and he doesn't really do that. I love him on the team and I'm not still not ruling out the possibility that like he adds a, a smidge of three point shooting to his game because he progressed. I mean, like and I think people forget how much he progressed last season last season. He became a, a mid-range monster and there's a shot that he becomes a three point shooter. Um, I don't Probably know. But
1: I've picked up on the vibe that, like, people <clears throat> I mean, people love Ronde, and don't get me wrong, I love him too. But there's a sense that I'm getting that, like, people are like, he's the, the soul of the team. He's like, he's the anchor. He's the, and I'm like, maybe pump the brakes on that a little bit. That's yeah. my feeling. I love him. Don't get me wrong. And he's, it's been great to watch him develop and mature over the years into, like, what I think is, like, a super, um, you know, low-key valuable player, like, and a lot of teams would love to have a guy like him around, and he kind of just flies under the radar, but what we do, he he still is breaking the, the mold of what we do in a way that's, like, kind of hard, going to be hard to um,
0: justify for much longer. The best thing for Rondé would be if if Lavert does bump up his game, and Alan Crabb, Gets back to more what he was like in Portland. I mean, I know he's not that that far off last season. That his post All Star break was phenomenal for Allen Crab was like forty five percent from three. So if he continues on that track and like Lavert gets better, Jared Allen gets better, because if Rondae's the fifth best player on the floor, that's pretty good, and that that works for him because he's a he's a glue guy. Mm-hmm. He's a in the cracks fit him in rebounds, hustle defense. And he can score in the mid-range, which is now a unique gift. That is a gift if you can do that, which is what he does. Um, but, like, again, there's just not that much value for him. And the expectation I have most likely to be traded as a prelative, I'll throw that in right now, mm-hmm. It he wouldn't be in my top five. Just because I know he's an expiring contract. He doesn't cost that much money. But, like, not many teams are going to be asking for Ronda Hollis Jefferson. A team that may is, like, the Pacers, like one of those weird sort of they don't like. They don't really buy in fully to the new school. Like we need three point shooters. Um, that's the sort of team that where he fits in. The Lakers. Like he would be. He would be great on the Lakers because the Lakers seem to have like all these dudes that just like Beasley and Lance Stevenson and Rondo who like none of them like to shoot threes. Mm-hmm. Um, he would fit pretty pretty nicely on the Lakers. I just don't think. I don't know what you would trade for him, but mm. give me Josh Hart, and I'll take it. Nice. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for all of your delicious, amazing emails. There are so many more, but we only have a limited amount of time. I have to get home very, very soon. But, Brian, wow. I have one question for you. Wow. You ready? Um, yeah, shoot. Will the Nets make the playoffs? Oh, man. Yes or no? Say it. It's so – why
1: do we do this? <laughs> why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> you know – does it matter? What? Do we have a podcast because we're a pair of soothsayers? Do I look like a palm reader to you, Mike? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my, Maybe. You know, I think, though I resent the question, I have an answer for you. <laughs> you resent it? My- <laughs> I resent it Screw enormously. you. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. That's what I say to you. Yeah, fine. Um, I mean, here's the thing. It's really, you have to look around the East, you know? Yes. Who are those who are those other teams? <laughs> that is what you have to do. <laughs> that are vying for those eighth and seventh <laughs> seeds, Mike. This is the, the in depth version right. of this Here, conversation. I'll show you. It's not just us out there. There are other teams. So we're looking at, you know, Cherboy the Pacers, you know, Cherboy's the Heat. How about your wizards?
0: Yeah, so okay, so how you this is an easy, this is a mathematical issue, right, Brian? It just comes down to pure hard it's, science again. Pure math. Another hard okay. science argument. Do you know there are eight spots for the playoffs? There are eight spots for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Stop, because you, people are going to turn off the radio. If you I start, can't if you vouch. Talking like this. I can't vouch for the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. There's only eight spots. Oh, my spots. God, Okay. We know that there are a few locks. So, let's just say Celtics, Raptors, 76ers, locks. Put them in there. Most likely. Milwaukee, and the Pacers. That's five teams. I'm going to say those are five teams. I'm going to say the probables are the Wizards. That's six. I put the Heat as seven, but maybe not the Heat. So then there's this mix of teams. Let's say seven and eight are open. Okay? You have Miami. You have the Nets. You have the Pistons. You have the Cavs. You have the Hornets. And then you have the Knicks. I'm not dismissing the Knicks. I think they have some talent. And if they do enough, and then Porzingis comes back. For some reason, let's say they want to get to the playoffs, they could. They also probably should tank. So, the Knicks are this weird sort of team. Um, Of those teams, how good is the Nets in comparison to them? Yeah. It's like, so I was just trying to, like, run through it, okay? So, you can see in front of you right now. This is the win total for the eighth seed going back to the strike season in 2011, Mm -hmm. okay? 43, these are wins. 43, 41, 44. Then 38, 38, and 38. The first, that 38, one of those 38s is the 2015 Nets. Joe Johnson, Thad Young, Brooke Lopez, and KG playing like... Gave Atlanta hell that series. So 38 38 wins for three seasons in a row. 38 wins got you into the playoffs in the East. Now, of course, the East has always been kind of crappy. And now this year, maybe the East is not so crappy. You know, like in terms of the overall picture of the East. But 38 wins. The Nets had 28 wins last year so just bare minimum can the nets w- improve by 10 wins i say yes i don't even think i'm not saying it won't be hard but i don't think it's impossible this, this
1: isn't a is it possible? you know this that's we're 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 being held to a different standard here in this question mike <laughs> you know that's it's not is it possible is is it going to freaking happen you know and um so i mean adding 10 wins on last season with the just, just under the guise of development, because like, that's really like we've we've added like Ed Davis and Shabazz Napier, but like the big. Don't pick, you poo poo Shabazz Napier, Brian? That don't was, that wasn't a poo poo. That was a poo a, a tip of the hat in his direction oh, to nice. say like, you know, those are additions. Let's not <laughs> let's not overlook those additions because I, I could have just been like exact same team except for blah blah blah, and you know, and bird, oh, bird. is that me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Blah <laughs> blah. <laughs> um, but really, we're we're hanging our hats here on. On development and to say to, to do like to suggest that you could develop just the same roughly the same rotation into a plus 10 W kind of squad. I mean, that's if that happens, that's like we've got something here. Then Kenny this Atkinson's is the greatest developmental this is, coach. This is something since very impressive going on. Yeah. Um, and to your point, not to say that that's impossible. Is it likely <laughs> hard to say that that's a likely thing? Because right. we're talking about it. How it would be an enormous achievement? Typically, you know, we don't th- we don't think of those kinds of achievements as just like a a thing that's imminent or like we expect it to happen. So I know this is like a not so su- super glamorous way, and I'm just like you know hemming and hawing, but like I don't. I find it it's gonna be difficult to make the playoffs this year. And you know, <clears throat> to our earlier conversation, I think that that's okay because when we get Jimmy Butler and Zion, you know, together. That's and they've always meant to be together because they're very similar. <laughs> um that that'll be good. But no, but you can take my point, right? Like Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so
0: okay, yeah. If you go through like the shaded tiers of likelihoodedness, mm-hmm. um guarantee down to never gonna happen, the nets are probably more shaded closer to never gonna happen, uh versus guaranteed, right? Of course. I don't think so. I don't really agree with wind shares in the NBA overall that, that the statistic that you can see I do think a full season I'm just saying let's just let's go under the guys that these guys are going to have mostly a full season maybe D'Angelo plays 72 games as opposed to playing like 42 whatever it was last year um, so let's just assume everyone's mostly healthy I think um, a fully realized Dinwiddie fully realized plus a full season of D'Angelo and improved Levert an improved Allen, um, the return of Damari, uh, the additions of Ed Davis, even Kenneth Fareed, Shabazz Napier. I mean, Shabazz Napier's. we're not going to poo-poo that because that's sort of the, an undercover, nice little signing that's going to make a big difference in a couple of games because he's going to be able to play some bench minutes, especially the games where, let's say, Dinwiddie or Lavert or D'Angelo are out. I don't think 10 wins is... I think 10 wins jump is like pretty well within grasp i really do believe that i think this this team is more focused on winning than it has been in over this atkinson marks realm this this era that we're in um and also the one thing that could totally shift the entire projection of this team is if and i don't know if this is going to happen if the if sean marks gets a pretty good sense that kevin durant Kyrie irving clay thompson All those dudes, Jimmy Butler, aren't going to come to Brooklyn, right? We have a pretty good sense that half of those dudes, Clay and Kyrie, aren't going to come because they're all saying they're going to stay. Durant, we have no clue. And, you know, obviously Jimmy Butler says he wants to be here, but, you know, Jimmy Butler just basically wants to be out of Minnesota any way possible. They could make a trade to get better this year. There are many teams out there that would be very hungry for a trade with the Nets if the Nets are willing to take on salary. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but it's a pretty strong, like that would be out there for them to have if they really want to do it. I don't think this team is going, the this exact team, this exact lineup, these same 15 players are going to be the same 15 players that survive the entire season with the Nets. They're going to make some trade. Whether that trade is more about the future or more about now, I don't know. If it's more about now, they're inc- of course they're, Chances to get into the playoffs increases. Um, are they good enough to get to 38 wins? Yes. Does that get them into the playoffs? Probably not. The things that have to go right is that D'Angelo has to be healthy, and he has to be like – he has to be 78% of James Harden. Right? 78, maybe 79? If He's 79% of yeah, James cl- Harden? closer to 79, yeah. You think? By, by, by quote, my arithmetic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> look at that guy that guy's angry um yeah i it it really and eagle talked about this a little bit on the pod that we did on monday um it it really does kind of all fall on d'angelo like no matter what no matter how great lavert may be this year and dinwiddie what dinwiddie do we get first half dinwiddie second half dinwiddie uh jared allen's development like like we were watching, we were so we're watching this like preseason game on replay. I'm still not sure why, but it's been a delight. This the is background. the second
1: time I've watched this, by the way.
0: Um, they showed a highlight of Jason Kidd from the past. of Jason Kidd going into the lane, like cutting across the lane and throwing uh, the ball over his head. This is the ba- MSG broadcast, by the way, too. Bouncing, no, yes, you know, nah. bouncing, bouncing off straight off the backboard into the hoop. A beautiful Jason Kidd play, uh, court awareness, knows everything that he's doing, a play that's completely out of the realm of the regularity that you see on the basketball court. is the only guy on the team that can really do that. And he, need, he needs to be that on a nightly basis. He needs to be unique on a nightly basis because they have nice players. The Nets do. We all love Levert. He's so special. He does everything on the floor. But it has to be on D'Angelo. And if this team is going to make the playoffs, D'Angelo has to be like just just a smidge under an all-star. 79% of James Harden. That should mm. be his nickname, Mr. 79% of James Harden. Because that's that's the only way it happens. Does it happen, Brian? Development. We're going to hear the word development a lot.
1: I can't wait to the years where, we're, where we don't have to talk about development.
0: The Lionel Hollins years? Yeah. By the way. It is fun to look. <laughs>
1: what you think future Lionel Hollins years? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> the
0: past Lionel Hollins years? Like that's what? Because I when I looked up the win totals, I was like, "All right, so what? What do they need to get to get the playoffs? Thirty-eight wins." I forgot. I didn't forget that was how few. Like I forgot that's how few wins the Nets had that year, mm. thirty-eight, and they got into the playoffs and they gave the Hawks a series. Come on, a series. Joe Johnson. Did you like two Best winners? part
1: too. They were talking because I remember that was the year they were like we have to watch the stupid nets. And then we like tied up the series, you know, going back to Brooklyn or something, some, or whatever it was. And, and everyone had to reluctantly be like, this is like kind of an interesting series. <laughs> stupid, stupid nets.
0: Um, all right. Thank you for having me over here, Brian. A pleasure. Stop by any Um, take us out. Mike. like, what do you got? Um, iTunes, download us, listen, rate us netsdaily.com. There's a lot of great content about the nets. Almighty baller for all your podcast needs. And buy every product on the show.
1: Okay. Get your wallets ready. (laughs) Blenders.
0: Target. Target. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody.
1: The end of the show the end of the fucking show. Yeah, the end of the show the end of the show The end of the show the end of the show. The end of the show show now you can all go home.